Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. I read Esther chapter 7. So the king and Haman, I'm reading from the ESV. So the king and Haman went in. Haman is the enemy of the Jews. Uh, of course, and he's, he's risen uh, 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 in the ranks in the king's house. So the king and Haman went to, in to feast with Queen Esther. And on the second day, as they were drinking, this is the second feast, second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, what is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Understand that Esther was, uh, had just won a, within the last month, she has won a beauty pageant. She's been handpicked by the king as his queen. Okay, and so she's a baddie. And that's just what it is. And so she answered, and he's, and, and so, and she's so beautiful, he's ready to do whatever, whatever she puts out there. Right? You ever been hit with love like that? Like, whatever you want, baby. <laughs> whatever you want. Okay? Louis, you got it. Chanel, you got it. Right? You want, some, you want some red bottoms? I got you. You want some red lobster? I got you. You want some olive garden? Let's go. Right? And so, here we go. And so, she says, if I have found favor in your sight, and she did, O king, and if, ple- if it please the king, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed. For the first time, the, the king is hearing a plan that he signed on to through Haman. And for the first time, he's hearing that Queen Esther is a Jew. I and my people to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent. For our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. And the king, Asuras, said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he? Who has dared to do this? You ever been in a relationship and some joker came up and messed with your boy or your girl? Ah, 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 not in my house. Verse 6, and Esther said, a foe and an enemy. She points to Haman who's right there at the table. This wicked Haman. And Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Jump down to verse 9. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose words saved the king, is standing at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, Hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. I want to preach to us on this thought. I am Hadassah. Tell your neighbor, I am Hadessa. I am Hadessa. Remove the mask. Remove the mask. Let's pray together one more time. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you. There's a tangible presence in this house. We know that you've already begun to minister. 
You've already begun to speak to hearts and to lives. I pray that faith is in this house. I pray that hope arises for the hopeless. Oh God, I pray revelation, a right revelation of, of your goodness is, is in the house. A right revelation of your holiness and your love and your mercy is in this house, Father. Oh God, give us each one each one the boldness and the courage and the faith to remove the mask and we give you the glory and the honor amen amen we um we live in a culture that continually preaches to each one of us that we aren't quite pretty enough without the filter has anybody besides me experienced that? Yeah? And so we have come to be a generation that just taking a selfie has become a feat that can take 10, 20, or 30 minutes. And then even after having taken said 20, 30, 40, 50 untold hundreds of selfies, we won't even post them because they aren't quite good enough for our social media feed. Uh, a generation that has learned to put more time and effort into the perception of themselves rather than the reality of themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? We put more time and energy and effort into the way people perceive us rather than our actual character, right? So much so that we spend a great deal of time and effort curating our social media pages. We obsess of over others' ideas of who we are. And, and to the extent that many of us are, are some total, the sum total of our self-worth is determined by what we perceive others to think about us. Was that too many words? Like, did I say that too? Was that too wordy? We think ourselves to be what we think others think about us. Right? And this is, this is, it's not because you're not pretty. Right? It's not because you're ugly. I mean, well, I see. But this is, there's no exemption to this because we see it all the way up even to the ones that have taught us and trained us to think like this, the blue checks of Hollywood, who've had literally everything done to their bodies to help perfect the, uh, and, and achieve the filtered look all the time, right? Even they themselves are so full of insecurities that get this, most of the ones that you follow, that you celebrate, and that you obsess over, and you cut out their, their pictures and you use fans. Oh, if I only had a Justin. Most of these most of most of these people don't even give you their real name. Did you know that? Like most of your favorite actors, and certainly your rap, the rappers, you know, it's obvious. <laughs> Bruno Mars, do you know any, what's one of his famous songs? I'll catch a grenade for you, hey, do anything for you, hey. Do you know Boy's real name? You know Homeboy's real name? 
It's not Bruno. It's Peter. <laughs> Peter Hernandez. That's Bruno Mars' real name. What you think about your boy now? I don't know if you guys know this one. This is a... This is an older actress, uh, Demi Moore. Do you guys know who Demi Moore is? Yeah? Okay. You still do. Okay. So I didn't know. Like, she's an older one. So Demi, right? Obviously, you know, Demi, right? Beautiful, beautiful woman. Yeah, she's dark hair. She, like, married just, uh, who was it? Justin? Who? Kucher. Yeah, Ashton Kucher. <laughs> She married Ashton Kutcher, right? And, like, it was a really weird couple because it's like she's full cougar mode, right? And so, I don't know, it's probably 18, 20 years there. And no offense if you've got that kind of separation between you and your, your significant other, right? But Demi, Demi's not, like, her name is actually Demetria Guyanus. It's not Demi Moore. Speaking of Ashton Kutcher, do you know Ashton is not his name? He actually, if you've watched his, um, if you've watched his, his acceptance speech at uh, Nickelodeon People's Choice Award, uh, he, he, he said it point blank. He said, my name is not Ashton. It's a name they gave to me when I became famous because my name wasn't cool enough. He said, my real name is Chris. Do you feel like you've been lied to? Uh, not that Chris isn't cool, I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. If you know me, you know I'm not hip to culture um, in a lot of ways. So some of these people, I don't know them, and I don't know how to pronounce their names. So you'll, you'll, you'll forgive me, right? You're not going to make fun of me. Okay, is it Yo Queen or J- Joe Queen Phoenix? Joaquin. I wasn't even clo- wasn't even remotely. I wasn't even in the ballpark. Okay, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. You know what his real name is? Joaquin Bottom. I don't know. It's just kind of basic, right? Like, uh, I mean, Joaquin's not, but it's, he's not. Yeah. Um, Meghan Markle, isn't she like a married to a king or something? Like, is that Harry or something? No? Cherry? Harry? Prince Harry? You don't even know Harry's name, but that's another story. Uh, so you don't even know Harry's last name, do you? He's got like 12 first names. It's really bizarre. Um, Megan, Megan's name, Markle, that's like an alliteration, so it sounds really good, right? And so when they do that, you see that a lot in Hollywood, but that's not like his name, right? Or her name, it's actually Rachel. Rachel, Rachel Marker. Marker. Okay, Jamie Foxx, he's a little tiny guy, really funny, right? Jamie Foxx, good looking man, right? You wouldn't think that he'd have to put any front out there, right? Like with his name? No, that's not even like... His name is Eric Marlin Bishop. I don't know, Eric Bishop, right? Brad's name is Will, it's not Brad Pitt, it's, it's Will, right? You know Lord, her name is uh, Ella Yellick O'Connor. Uh, Rihanna, you know what her real name is? Robin. Robin, uh, you know Miley's real name? It's actually Destiny. Do you know what Nikki's real name is, Minaj? Yeah, Onika, she's actually really mad about it. Like they made her change her name and she was like, she like says to this day, she hates like the new name, right? Onika, Mirage, not Minaj. Yeah, 
right? Do you know Frank Ocean, like what kind of name, right? Like that's pretty dope, right? Except it's not that at all. It's actually Christopher Bro. I don't know. And so John Legend, Springfield right here, right? One of our own homeboys, Ohio represent, Ohio against the world. Where'd she go? Yeah. Where'd you get that shirt? Okay, so uh, we know those people from Columbus. Um, so, J- yeah, John Legend, John Legend is actually John Stevens. Really much more, like, do you feel better about your name now? Right? Yeah. And so, so we learn the need. We learn from all those that we've been looking at, right, that we're not enough. Right? Like we've got we've got to we've got to cover up in some way. We've got to put on a show, a facade, so that we can be accepted, right? So that we can walk in the fullness of everything that God has for us. And so we do a lot of pretending. We learn to pretend. We learn to pretend on our social media. We learn to pretend in front of certain people, right? We learn a lifestyle of pretending. And I don't know how how harmful that is on social media, but when it bleeds into your walk with the Lord, you, you literally begin to scorn your own future and your own destiny because you refuse to walk in who you really are and you refuse to confront the, you, you refuse to confront the, the, the plot of the enemy against you because you never expose and you always put on and you always cover up. And so we, we read in our story that, that as Esther is preparing and Esther is making plans for this banquet, for this banquet that her 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 enemy Haman is going to be present because Haman understands if I can be in the banquet room if I can be at the dinner table if I can prevent the queen from understanding who she really is if I can prevent her from coming to this table and making known who she really is then I can secure my own plan in her devastation and in her defeat and so she as so this is the plan of the, this is why every time you plan to make confession, every time you plan to take another step forward for kingdom, every time you decide, you know what, I've had enough with, with this secret sin in my life. I've had enough with this fear that I've not exposed, this anxiety that I've struggled with secretly, this issue in my, and every time you try to make a step forward and every time you try to go to an altar of confession, there's always a Haman waiting on you. Isn't that interesting? And we see it even here. He's dead set on you continuing to put up the false name, to put up the mask, to pretend that everything is all right. Jesus loves me. Everything's great. Every, every, every day I'm hustling. I don't even know. That was, I don't know if that was birthed by the Holy Spirit or what, but that was not in the script. It just kind of came out there. And so, but this is, this is what, this is, this is the pattern of our life. And so then we, we are convinced that, 
well, maybe, maybe, if, maybe if the accusations and maybe if the feelings of, of unworthiness leave, maybe if, if, the, if, if, if this idea that I'm enough ever surfaces, then I can, I can walk in what God has for me. But we see Esther literally experiencing what David wrote about in Psalm 23 in verse 5 right here. You prepare a table for me in the very presence of my enemy. She had to learn to go to the banquet table even though her enemy was already there. She had to learn to, 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 to go on the word of the king that there was a seat for her at that table. She was the one that prepared the banquet. She herself was the one that made ready for the banquet. And even still, Haman shows up not once, but also on the second night, right? But she learned, like Bethel teaches us, to raise a hallelujah in the very presence of our enemies. Raise a hallelujah, they say, uh, louder than our unbelief. And when I come to an altar and the enemy begins to scream at me that you'll never make it, that you'll never course correct, that you'll never get over it, that the prison you're in can never be broken out of, I think I'll praise a little louder until my unbelief is turned into belief, until my weapon is turned into, is my weapon is used as my melody, until heaven comes to fight for me. And so don't wait until the enemy vacates himself from the table before you take your rightful position. He ain't ever going to leave. He ain't ever going to leave until, number one, you show up to the banquet, till you show up to your seat at the table. I don't care what voice of hell has tried to disqualify you, to, to, to convince you that, that, you, that, that your seat has been removed, that somehow you've been disqualified, that, that there's no, one, no, no room for you at the table. I don't care what voices within or without have tried to keep you from the table. You've got to show up. And when you show up, You've got to take the next step. Remove the mask. Remove the mask. I want you to know that I'm, I'm preaching to you tonight, not the person beside you. From the youngest to the oldest, from the newest believer to the senior leaders, leadership leader, I'm preaching to you tonight. Holy Spirit is preaching to you tonight to the one who's who's to the one who, who's been at haven from its inception to the one that it's your first night this word is for you remove the mask most of you are already at the table most of you are already taking part in the banquet. Most of you are already enjoying the fellowship with the king. But the enemy sitting across the table has convinced you that while you're at that table, you've got to keep the mask on. And the enemy is a liar. Remove the mask. Recognize. <clears throat> That Haman himself is wearing a mask. And he's trying to deceive you, to convince you that your fear of rejection is real. It's your fear that somehow your potential will be revoked or your future will be passed up on if you ever remove the mask. It's a false front, it's a charade. 
It's a mask that the enemy himself is wearing. I suppose a lot of us have, have, have a hard time with confession because we're convinced that if we confess our sin, And somehow the exposure cancels the plans of God. But it's just like the enemy to flip the script completely on what confession actually does. It doesn't cancel the plans of God. It unlocks the plans of God and cancels the plans of the enemy. When we begin to pontificate on the idea of confession, we go to a place of admission in our conscience and says, well, if I have to confess, then I must be guilty. And then if I'm guilty, then I suppose that I'm not a son or I'm not a daughter. But can I, can I show you that when Esther sits down and she begins to talk to the king and she begins to announce, O oh, king, my name is not Esther after all. It's Hadessa. I am Hadessa. Oh, I know you've thought, you can't tell me that Esther wasn't afraid when she went to that table. She knew she got to the position because of her beauty. She was, select, he, she was selected because she was, she was drop-dead gorgeous. But can I tell you, the plans of God for your life have far more to do with, the, with, with you than your, your simple outward appearance or people's perception of your outward appearance. But on the inside of you rests a revivalist. On the inside of you rests a deliverer. On the inside of you rests a man of God and a woman of God. I don't care how long you've been out or how long you've been in. I don't care if you've experienced this man or this woman on the inside of you. But there is a real Holy Ghost at rest on the inside of you. And if you'll ever remove the mask, if you'll ever make the confession, if you'll ever say, I am Odessa, you will unlock the potential of the kingdom on your life. You don't lock it up. You unlock it through confession. Amen. And so she's intimidated because for the first time she's going to announce, remember in chapter 2, I think it's verse 7, Mordecai convinced her, we're going to keep this a secret. Nobody can know that you are a Hebrew child. Nobody can know your Hebrew name, Esther, which actually means to conceal or to hide. Nobody can know your Hebrew name, Hadessa, Hadessa that's, which just means to conceal or hide. So we're going to give you a new name and we're going to call you, they're going to, they're going to call you and refer to you as Esther. And so here she comes to the 
table, and here she comes with every voice telling her that if you make the confession, he's going to kill you. And every time she looked across that table as she made the approach to that enemy, she you better believe that the piercing eyes of the enemy, the spirit on the inside of Haman must have known that the spirit on the inside of her was dead set against him. And I guarantee you those eyes that looked at her were, were piercing, but she wasn't intimidated because she knew that when she made confession, she didn't have to remove her crown. Do you understand what I'm saying? Although she was removing a mask, she was not removing a crown because she was still a queen. Oh yeah, I'm Hadessa. I've got a Hadessa in my closet, king. Oh, but it doesn't change the fact that I am your chosen queen. You've got to understand that when you make confession to the Lord because of shortcomings in your life, it doesn't change the fact that you're a child of the king. It doesn't change your position as a son or as a daughter. Oh, our, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Although our spirit may be perfected by the blood, this soul is weary. This soul gets tired. This soul collects dust and grime. This soul, talking about, talking about your mind, will, and emotions, there's a process of sanctification in the believer's life that is never achieved until that great glorious day. And so you are both perfect and completely unperfect. You're perfect in spirit because you're covered by the blood of Jesus and it's his righteousness that has accepted you into his royal family. It's his, it's his finished work at the cross that makes you a son and makes you a daughter. And so as I go in my perfected spirit, but my unperfected or imperfected soul, I collect things along the way. And as I collect things on along the way, there's a master that sits me down at his table and he says, now it's time for me to wash your feet. It's what the, it's what the whole process was about at the last supper. You don't need a bath because you're already in the family. You're already clean. Oh, but you need, you've collected along the way impurities, the thoughts throughout the course of the day, the impure thoughts, the thoughts of rage and anger, the, 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 the thoughts of doubt and unbelief, the anxious thoughts, the fearful thoughts, the faithless thoughts, those things we need to wash off. And so we make confession a daily practice. Why? Because it, it, it begins to sanctify our soul. It begins to make us more like him. And so I make confession a daily practice. I never remove the crown. I never remove my place as a son or as a daughter, understand when I, when I fall, the Bible says that I have an advocate with the Father. When I fall, when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father, which is to say this soul is not perfect in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall short. I'm going to stumble along the way. But when I do, I'm still a son. So when I confess, I confess from the position of a son, not a sinner. Do you understand? I confess from the position of a son. If I'm willing to remove the mask, I keep the crown. And so the enemy that has told you because you stumbled, because you fell, because you turned the other way, because you had, you had, a, you had a, a, a bad evening. And some of you have had some bad weeks, some bad months. Talking about on this road to sanctification. Some of you have stopped walking the road and you've taken a break in the ditch somewhere. Can I tell you 
Can I tell you that there's a God that still calls you son and still calls you daughter? This is not... This is, not a, this is not a Costco membership that you sign up for when you come into relationship with the Lord, when you enter into the family of God. It is not, uh, it's not a Sam's Club membership that is dependent on you paying a price and you following the rules when you get in the club. Our position as sons and daughters is no different than your position as a son or a daughter in your own house. There are times, probably more days than, than you'd care to admit, where you've, you've dishonored your mom and your dad, where you've went against their wishes, where you haven't done what they would have preferred you to do. There are some times when you just chose to do it because you were being rebellious and, and you were being hateful and spiteful and you did it but it never changed your position as a son or a daughter. Because when you become a son or a daughter, that is not a product of a membership club that can be revoked. It cannot be changed. Now you can divorce your, your mother and your father. Legally, you can do that. Just like you can divorce the Lord, you can choose to deny him and walk away. This is not greasy grace. Once saved, always saved. Any one of us in this house can decide that we do not want to be in relationship with him. But too many of us have allowed the, the accuser sitting at our table convince us that we were disqualified from the feast because of a misstep, because of a failure because of a series of failures and I've come to tell you that the king is not angry at you but he's invited you to the table if you'll just remove the mask confession matters an altar in your life matters and if you're going to move forward from bondage to deliverance to dominion it's going to be because you learn to confess and you learn to confess daily. Daily. You learn to come before the Lord with all humility. Wash me and make me clean. Like David, oh God, search me and know me and try me. Know my, know me, even my thoughts, God. The thoughts of my mind, know them. Oh, in every way that you see unfit, God. Oh, lead me in the way everlasting. What is David doing? He's surrendering that, that, that soul. He's surrendering that mind, will, and emotion, uh, emotion on, on a daily basis, making confession because making confession relents the grip of the enemy on your life. If I refuse to make, to make confession, if I refuse to bring it to light, that sin, like, like Naaman, only begins to grow on the inside underneath that armor. And so if I can't reveal it, then it's, it's only going to further contaminate my life. Just like, just like with COVID, we've, we've, we've been, began to teach and reteach like some basics of, uh, of cleanliness that I think some of us forgot. We understand that if we take a shower, if we take a shower in the morning and we go throughout the morning, our morning routine, and we go to the bathroom, and we touch various things, we do all the high fives, and you know, the attaboys, and whatever you do in your morning routine with people, you collect things along the way, but it doesn't mean you need to take a shower just an hour or two into your day, but you might need to wash your hands, right? Does that make sense? Okay, and so, so, so I may not need a, uh, I may not need a, a, a fresh shower, I will, 
But you may not need a fresh shower. If you shower before Haven, and some of you guys do, right? Just because you, well, depending on how you worship, I guess. But, but showing up to an event like this, it's going to be very wise for you to wash your hands. And we've learned this particularly through this pandemic. And we've learned, like, how to wash our hands, right? Like, you know, we got to sing our, our hand wash songs and so because it matters. And we found out crazy stats, like, it's like over 60% of men who go to the bathroom don't wash their hands, right? Like, women, you didn't know that? I mean, it's just, I don't know, odds and statistics, maybe they're right, maybe they're not, but... But the point is understanding that when we confess our sins before God, it's not that we need a brand new bath. It's not that we need to, not when we need to, 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 to make a, a brand new covenant with the Lord. It's just a renewal of the covenant we already made. It's that washing. That's what that foot washing was about. So we, 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 we're your clothes, you have, all y'all have, have, have shoes on and socks and all this kind of stuff. And so you don't understand, you, we don't understand the language of scripture and the cultures of, at times of walking those dusty, dirty roads in open-toed sandals, right? With, uh, with, with toenails that are curling over. They're so disgusting, right? Talk about scraping underneath that big toe and smelling that. That's disgusting. And so, uh, what is he talking about? I don't know. I just... You know, we're here tonight. I've got six minutes left. I thought I'd throw that in there. And so, so, so we don't understand that so much, but we ought to understand that in the same, under the, the, under the same principle, the same idea culturally, as you touch things throughout the course of, of your day, it requires a washing. And this is what we do. When we confess our sins, we're washing again. We're washing again and allowing that confession to break the grip of sin over our lives. Amen. And so understand that Satan's best work is always done in darkness, but it loses its power when it's brought to the light. It's weakened when it's exposed to the light. Confession, James says, brings healing. The Bible says in James chapter 5, we should confess our sins to each other uh, so that we might be healed. That confession, that's not, that's, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. Confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. Confessing sin cancels the plan plans of hell and can't, confessing sin helps sanctify my soul amen saint augustine said confession of evil works is the beginning of good works and so so esther sits down at a table not intimidated by the voices within or the voices without she knows her position and she removes the mask I am Vanessa and these are my people she keeps the crown what is the response of the king scripture says he leaves the room in anger in rage what's going to happen is he coming back? Esther, is he coming back for my head? He comes back into the room, and what does he find? He finds Esther's enemy begging for mercy. 
Do you hear me? He finds Esther's enemy and the enemy of the Hebrew people on his feet. She's, she's so much, so, so desperate is he in his begging that when the king comes in, he thinks that he's actually trying to harm her. He's pleading. He's pleading with her. And this is what confession does. It removes your enemy and unlocks the plan of God. What did the man of Gadara do? He come running out of those tombs and that and his his spirit, the spirit within him so wanted to be free. And what did the enemy do? Oh, don't torment. Why'd you come here to torment us? The spirits that had tormented that man were now being tormented by the Spirit of God. I said it a few weeks ago. I'll say it again. God didn't just call you to a place of deliverance. He called you to a place of dominion to begin to use the enemy, the, the weapons of the enemy against him so much so that the enemy begins to cry out, oh, don't torment us any longer. I step into the halls of my school and the enemy is crying out, oh my God, where are we going to go now? Don't torment us any longer. I step into my home and where, where all hell has broken loose and the enemy begins to confess and plead with me instead of me pleading with the enemy quit your torment the ornament the enemy begins to plead with me why because confession removes the enemy and so I don't know about you but I want to confess more that's why Peter said oh God if you need to wash my feet for my cleanliness then wash all of me wash my whole body and so I don't know about you but I, I need an altar I long for an altar I long for repentance I long to open the plans of God on my life Quit allowing the enemy of your soul to convince you that you've got to continue to wear the mask of sin, the mask of insecurity, the mask of shame, the mask of your past over your, over your, your, your potential in the earth. Remove the mask. Amen. Make confession. Position your crown and allow the Spirit of God to do what only He can do when truth is released. So the enemy's not, the king is not angry with Esther. Oh no. He's angry with the enemy. And the plan of God and the, for, for Esther is only revealed through her confession. It wasn't just to be pretty. It wasn't just to, to have a position in the court. Do you understand that God has more for you than just being a child of God? There's a work for you to do. And too many of us have walked this, this, this religious life with the mask of everything is okay and I'm all right, and in so doing, have settled for just being a son and just being a daughter. But God has more for you than just being a son and just being a daughter. It's not that that's not enough. My goodness. But there's more for you to do. He's inviting you to partner with him to release hope 
to release revival, to release faith and courage in this last day, why not you? Why not make confession? I can handle it. No, you can't. I've I've got it. I just need some more time, and, and I'll get it under control. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. You cannot control sin. You cannot control the anxiety. You cannot control the fear because it will never stop. The addiction isn't going to get better. Why would it? The fear won't just drive you into a a dark pit and stop once you go so far. It will drive you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into that pit. Addiction doesn't doesn't just hang hang a, a few hiccups in your life, but addiction will drive you deeper and deeper and deeper into the pit of addiction. It is relentless. It does not stop. So what's our response? Our response is to look to the one who was born in darkness, the darkness of a cave, because he knew you'd be there. You hear me? It's no wonder that he was born in a cave. Why? He came for you in your cave. And no matter how far the sin, the weight, no matter how far the fear, the anxiety, or the unbelief, whatever the label we want to put on it, whatever label we want to put on the mask, no matter how far he's driven you into that pit, can I tell you that there was a God who sent his son into a cave only to see him raised high on a cross, be taken down and put into a cave. But that wasn't low enough. No, no, no. He went lower. My God. He goes lower. Why? Because you were low. Because I was low. The Bible says he goes into the belly of the earth, into Hades. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he breaks open and captures the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Where was he at? He was in that pit for you. Where your sin has taken you. Where your mask has led you. He went for you. But he doesn't just leave you there. No, he, he carries ca- captivity captive. And he puts you on his back. And he brings you out. And it all hinges on you and I. Saying, yeah, I've got some Hadessas. I've got some Hadessas. He can't rescue you from the pit if you refuse to acknowledge that you're in the pit. 
For some of you, it's a pit that has kept you separated from God and you are not in right relationship with him tonight. And tonight you need to make new covenant and you're going to come to a table, a banquet table that is this altar. There is going to be an enemy waiting on you, but you're not going to make covenant with that enemy. You're going to make covenant with the Lord, with Jesus. And as you tune into his love and his mercy and his grace, that, that enemy, the lies of that enemy are going to be exposed and he's going to be ran off. But for some of us, the pit that we're in, it's, we're not separated from God. We're believers. But there's sin. There's confession that needs to be made. I told you from the start of this sermon, this isn't for your neighbor. This is for you. This is for you. Take off the mask. Take off the mask. Every morning, a part of my confession is to remove a mask of insecurity, a mask of not enough. And I ask the Lord every day, God, give me the strength and the security. Give me, give me the courage to stand in you today. It's a daily confession and a daily removal. And I've got a lot of masks that I pray over. But I'm not the only one. You do too. Judas had a mask. And he made confession, but he confessed to the Pharisees. I'm not asking you to make confession to me, to auntie or to uncle. It's not to say that you don't need accountability in your life. It's not to say that if there are people that you have wronged, that you need, you need to make it right. That's biblical. And a part of the reason why some of you carry shame, even though you've asked the Lord to forgive you, you still carry the shame of misdeeds is because you've never asked the person that you harmed to forgive you. Reconciliation is biblical. Not just to God, but to your fellow man. I'm not asking you to make a public confession on faith. You don't need to do that. But it all starts with making confession to the only one who can forgive sins. The only one whose righteousness makes you whole. And that is the person of Jesus. Amen. There's a feast up here. And a placard, if we could see in the spiritual, with your name on it. The table was a place of, of covenant. In the Hebrew culture, this is where covenants were made by breaking bread with one another. And so much so that today, the Hebrew people, let me just say this so you understand the significance of what we're doing. Today in Hebrew culture, in Jews, I'm not talking about 
uh, I'm not talking about um, Jews who believe in Christ, but in Jewish culture, they still keep the table, all of the table laws, which is why they eat kosher food, because their altar, from their perspective, since they can't sacrifice animals, their altar is their table. Does that make sense? And so they keep those dietary laws to the T. And if you have any real friends who are real practicing Jews in your, in your life, they're not going to eat at your house ever. Because the table is sacred. And so what I'm saying is, is there's an altar here. And it's a feast that's prepared for you. Don't allow any voice to convince you that you're okay. <laughs> that you're going to work it out. Don't allow any voice to convince you that you're disqualified. That somehow your placard has been removed. There's a table for you around this altar. Let's take our rightful place. Let's remove the mask and unleash the plans and the purposes of God on our life. In the name of Jesus, from the front to the back, let's get her out of these, out of these seats. Let's come around these altars. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven